Um, I love talking to people about their trips, and I kind of have this feeling like when someone tells me about their trip or if I follow them on Facebook or Instagram, I learn so much, and I, I really kind of feel like I'm a voyeur, and I, uh, I get into... I really get into what they're doing and where they're going. And I, I love seeing the fun things they're doing. You know, it's kind of like being an armchair traveler. And um, I, it's actually the first time I think we've ever met, Jillian. Long ago, when I first moved to the island, we met 30 years ago. Oh, wow. Through yeah. several little music things, I believe. Probably. Yeah. And and now, gosh, you started P.E. Holo Stables when? 23 years ago. 23 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have to say, I think you've got one of the best locations for a stable there. It's just lovely. And, and part of the reason I say it's one of the best locations is because you're backed up to this amazing <laughs> Makawa Forest Reserve and all the hills and all that out there. And you're at the end of a dirt road. And you have your little piece of paradise out there. Now, did you start with that location? I did start with this location, and I'm very lucky to have that. And not only is it just great to be near the forest and on the side of the crater, but the elevation and the temperature is absolutely perfect for horses because we experience the four seasons. And so my horses thrive Mm. in upcountry Makawao as compared to the lower elevations in Kihei where the, uh, or Kahului, where the temperature doesn't shift so much and they don't get what we would consider normal seasons. Mm. I had there, always so. wondered about that, but but you know, because you you get the long hair. Did you get they grow the longer hair well, in the winter? Not so much. I keep mine in the barn yeah. and okay. blanket <laughs> them and so. feed them oils so <laughs> they don't get okay. the long hair because they are used daily. Mm-hmm. And a big part of my program is for the children after school, and they need to arrive to clean horses that are kind of ready to go. Uh-huh because of the time limit of after school and then being able to be finished with their riding and take care of the horses in a timely fashion where the horses can cool out and be cared for before they have to go home. How'd you arrange that kind of arrangement with the school? That sounds like a good idea. Um, Well, most of the kids are in either the group lessons or the private lessons, so they just wait until after school for their lessons. I see. As they would for anything, any um, extracurricular activity that they're doing. Do most uh, want to just learn Western? or I mean, I was always an English. I actually do predominantly English. Yeah, oh, And good. I teach hunter-jumper, oh, um, flat work, a little bit of Western. And the last six or seven years, I've really been concentrating on natural horsemanship, horse communication, and how horses think, feel, and respond, and teaching people that language, the language of the horse, of the horse. Mm-hmm as well as moving into my therapy programs, which are for emotional therapy, eating disorders, uh, PTSD, as well as I've been working now for 15 years with Imua Family Services and Camp Imua and bringing the ponies and horses out there to do horse therapy during the camp. So that's that's coming up, and it's going to be in K&I this year. two weeks. It's our first year in K&I. Wow, and that's a winding road to take on the horse. I hired somebody else to drive my horses on that I wouldn't want to pull a horse trailer all the way out there and having people try to cut you off and pass you on the highway. No, I would not want to do that. (laughs) It is wonderful in that with a large truck and trailer, they're 
you kind of rule the road. So <laughs> I've seen some pretty crazy way, yeah. driving from the locals when they want to get around you. They're going to get around you. Absolutely. I've seen it. <laughs> but that that's wonderful that you're doing that. You know, I, I've always loved horses, and I, I have to say I've watched horses here for people when I lived out towards Haiku. But it was really hard because the rain where I was living on Kapal Road of, you know, Kapal was, it was, it was the, uh, where it's you, you, the estates back there, and it was uh, on Kapu Road, but Kapu it was Kalua Road. Uh, yeah, but off yeah. there, yeah. And it was so wet that you know it was really hard on the horses' hoofs. It was just a bitch trying to keep the horses' feet. You know, when they stand in in the rainy, muddy fields, you know, it, it's tough. So it having, certainly is. It I'm, is. I'm really blessed with an indoor facility. I have an indoor riding arena, an indoor barn with rubber mats, so that. I have the ability to keep my horse's feet really good. Now, my horseshoer says that they are the best on the island well, that's because the, of that environment that I'm able to keep them in. That makes all the difference, I'll it tell you, because when it gets bad into thrush and stuff, it's just killer. Yeah. Um, now, now, how did you first get into doing polo, and then how did you get into traveling and doing polo? Where did that whole element the uh, come in? The polo actually started here with uh, Herman Louis de Coit playing polo. About 25 years ago, I walked to the polo field and saw the game for the first time and was mesmerized mm-hmm. by the horses galloping by and the thundering of their hooves and the intricacy of that game, mm-hmm. as well as the adrenaline rush. And for a few years, I trained polo ponies for my ex-husband And he played, but I never really rode the game. And then after the divorce and getting all the polo ponies in my name, I started playing a little bit and the addiction hit. And it's without a doubt the most wonderful thing I've ever done in my life is play polo. Now, just for a little background for people going horses, because in polo you can't ride one horse. Um, You you get, you know, these chuckers, done in chuckers, and you get groups and professional polo in a lot of places you have eight horses you know um but because it's an intense um chucker you you ride those horses pretty non-stop and going you know at full speed most of the you time do. so you can't just do polo with one horse <laughs> no and at the height of my really playing polo a lot um i had 12 of my own polo ponies Whoa. which was Super challenging. And expensive. (laughs) And expensive, yeah. I definitely toned it down quite a lot and only have six or seven right now. Um, And I'm not playing as much on Maui as I used to. I play an occasional women's tournament here and there. But I'm finding that traveling to Argentina and playing over there where they have massive amounts of polo horses, polo players, polo fields... um, very organized games in a complete league for women polo players that I prefer to go down there once or twice a year for about a month and just immerse myself in their game and then come back over here and work and teach people about horses and then go back over there and play. And part of what I'm developing now in my business is the travel, the horse adventure travel polo excursion where I take people with me and set up different horse adventures riding around various areas of Argentina. We're going to do Patagonia, Iguazu Falls. I want to go. And the Polo. I want to go. Absolutely. I want to go. Absolutely. (laughs) The next one we'll be doing will be in the end of November, early December, and we'll go for three weeks. Switch seasons there, right? So when November there would be spring here? 
Yes, and it's absolutely stunning. I was down last November. Um, the Argentine Open is the first week of December as well, and that's a highlight of the excursion wow. is that we go to that game. And so tell me about this exciting adventure to Patagonia. Oh, Patagonia is going to be about a little more camping and long-distance riding. We'll do five days in Patagonia. Tell people a little bit about, in case people don't know, I know Patagonia. Most people know Patagonia from the Patagonia sportswear, (laughs) right? I mean, everyone knows about Patagonia sportswear, and it's good, good quality wear. But tell us about where it is and how you get there, and start us from scratch. From Maui, it's about a 20 to 22-hour journey with all the stops and layovers and everything. And I've done it a few times now, so I can lay out the path in advance for everyone and know which airports have great massages when you have to wait three hours in between and and where how to make a wonderful trip i noticed you've written a book regarding angel traveling and the tips and i i I have the two books how to fly with less stress was the update and today i am so proud you and so glad you brought this up it took me a year but i did my first audio book and how to fly with less stress it was just uploaded this morning, so it should be available on Audible, iTunes, on my Amazon site, and, it, and it'll be perfect because you can have it and listen to it in your headphones when you're flying and relax and do the exercises you need in your seat, and you can even meditate, you can pray, you can think. It has it all, So, and it came out beautifully. I'm, oh, so, I'm excited. so excited to use that. We'll just make it part of our yeah. part of our journey that everyone has yeah. a headset with that. That sounds like it'll fit right in with my style of travel. Oh, that's wonderful! Because I do try to teach that, but you've already oh, done yeah, it for I'd me. Love so to, I'd love to that. incorporate with that. <laughs> and if I go on the trip, and I am going to, so so you leave Maui, go to Oahu, fly from Oahu to where? We we did Maui, Dallas. Oh, to Dallas. Maui, L.A., Dallas, Buenos Aires. Wow, that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not bad. And it just depends on your layovers. There's a wonderful. Um, tropical zoo in dallas that you can get to a half an hour out of the airport and you can go and stretch your legs and see all these incredible tropical birds and animals and then go back to the airport and you're refreshed and continue on the journey because then then it's 10 hours on the plane so that's a great idea you know that's that's been really are you doing united then i did that on american Yeah. yeah yeah i'm really lucky that one of my main clients is a pilot for american so she kind of helps guide the way uh-huh. and makes just makes the path even that much smoother and, for us. And then uh, from Dallas, because it is a long flight, 10 hours at that point is good, so it's great that you yeah. can get up and walk, because that's one of the things I talk about in my books always. It's so intimidating. People don't leave their seats on planes, but it's so important to exercise and walk. It's not good for your whole metabolism. It's not good for your, the DVT, deep vein thrombosis. You've got to exercise. Absolutely. Um, and so that you're getting up and walking and getting off the plane and doing that's perfect. So you're starting fresh for the next leg down to Buenos Aires. Absolutely. And so I'm that person that gets up and talks to everybody and helps with the babies and whatever it takes to just keep myself moving around a plane. And so, yeah. So where, what do you do in Buenos You know, I've never even been to Buenos Aires. Have you been to Buenos Aires, Kathy? No, oh. I've been to South America. Yeah. yeah. Buenos Aires is magical. It's, you know, one of the fifth largest city in the world. I didn't know that. I didn't until I went there and did a little bit of studying, and it is phenomenal. Um, I can't say enough good about Buenos Aires other than it is now my favorite place wow. in the world. Um 
it's an old city, so the architecture is stunning. The history with Evita Peron and and all of the people that have gone before, the world leaders that have come through there. You can go through the city and see these wonderful museums, both history and art. Um, you can do a walking tour. You can grab a taxi. There's a real strong taxi union down there, so they're not big fans of Uber. I don't really mm-hmm. recommend trying the Uber app. I've used it down there, but you're mm-hmm. you're fitting better into the culture if you just grab a taxi, and they're a dime a dozen, so it's real easy. And it's very inexpensive to travel down there. I can honestly stay for a month in Argentina, close my business here, and live cheaper down there in one month than I can when I'm living here running a business. So it's wow. it's really easy to justify going down there again and again yeah. because of that. Um, the city, it, one of the things I love about the culture and Argentina itself is that evenings dinner doesn't even begin until nine o'clock at night <laughs> and because my lifestyle of being with the horses i don't even wander in the house until eight thirty at nine at night on maui everything's closed by nine That's o'clock for dinner paella yeah. is shut down you can't yeah. run down and grab food they're not even starting if you get out to dinner before nine o'clock in argentina you're definitely a tourist so what do you do take a siesta um our days typically are if we're in the city the first couple days uh Visiting the city, going to Evita's grave, which is an incredible cemetery, the mm. Rosario Cemetery, going over to the Palermo racetrack, and mm. also going to the uh, the polo field is right across the street from the racetrack. And the racetrack is the quality of Saratoga in New York, just the highest quality really? horses. You'll be so pleasantly surprised by the quality of horses in Argentina. I was kind of warned that I might see some roughness with the gauchos and things yeah. like that. And I was so happy to see the best, most loving horse care I've ever seen in the world in South America with their horses. Everybody in the town knows every horse as they go through town, and there's a lot of them. Um, they're revered. They've got – the polo players have cloning programs going on and embryo transfers. I saw a show and, about that that on, was amazing that on 60, 60 Minutes show. Yeah, yeah. yeah we – we took the last excursion I went to. We went to that facility, really, and and got to see that technology, and it's just mind boggling. Yeah, and we saw four of the clones play at the open. Oh my god! Yeah, it was. Was I it mean, strange seeing the same horse playing against each other? I mean, it was such a strange concept. <laughs> if those t- people didn't see it, and they don't know what we're talking about, I mean, we always knew that cloning was possible, but there's limitations, and 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 for good reason. But in in Argentina and Brazil, this man who was so uber-rich, and, and, and like you said, it's yes. big down there, I, I fell in love with his horses, and they do honor their horses. And this one horse, he wanted to have cloned because he couldn't imagine not having this horse when it died. And it worked. I guess it took a little bit of doing. And, and now he's cloned a, a dozens of yeah. this one horse. I think he's got nine. It's of this strange to see the same horse, the same face marking in the whole. Yeah, kind of be bizarre. It, it was a little trippy, <laughs> without a doubt. It was a little trippy, and it was interesting to find out that what they've discovered in a major part of their cloning is that they almost need to clone the mother of the horse as well Mm. to have them raised with that nurturing environment. They're finding Uh that 
which mare they raise those clone babies Makes with a big has a huge influence uh-huh. on them. Yeah. Good, very good point, yeah. because in the story, he, he was asked which is his favorite if they're all the same, and he said, no, they are different, and they look the same, but they had different attitudes. But then again, there's that thing about the mother being yeah. different, that only the stallion was cloned. Very interesting point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what was it what, like watching Polo with these top, I mean, like you say, it's bigger than we can realize here. It's huge. I mean, we, we love it's our, like soccer we like our South polo. America, yeah, yeah. It's, it, 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 but it's huge. Uh, it, it's not really comparable to Maui polo. No. You wouldn't really use it in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, the speed is like lightning. Wow. You just aren't even aware of how fast they're going and where that ball is going and what's going on. Wow. It's Yeah, it's night and day from what we're able to see and experience here in the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, Great big turnouts? The, Do the crowds come out for it? Oh, 10, 15,000 people. Yeah, they wow. have stands. It's like soccer, and it's televised as well, and they have big screens at each end of the field, just like major sports events. It's It's like football and soccer and baseball here in the United States. Wow. It's huge. People know the horses. They know the players. Do they bet on it? If they do, it's not over the counter. It's, it's under yeah, the it's ca- not under over the, the counter. Yeah. Okay. And I, I imagine with the nature of humans, there's some betting on yeah. polo going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so you do that. Now that you're there about three, four days? We're there about three or four days. And then we go out to the country, to Pilar, where we stay at little bed and breakfast estancias that are, the one that I prefer is run by this wonderful woman, Alexandria, from England, where she began playing polo, and then she moved to France and ran a French restaurant for 12 years, and now she's running this B&B. The food is just utterly incredible, oh. which you'll find Argentina is a, foodie, a foodie's paradise mm-hmm. because there's such an Italian influence in the country that it really is well known for some of the best food in the world, which I was happy to discover when I went down there. Yeah, um, Just phenomenal food, and... It doesn't have any of the additives that we have in our foods in the United States. So there's a completely different taste. And one of the perks of going down there is you can kind of eat your way through Argentina and come home 10 or 15 pounds thinner over oh, a I'm month. Oh, I'm definitely going there. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's not stuff in the bread. The meat is all no. non-antibiotic. It's just, it was kind of mind-boggling, actually, to so, have that happen. So what are you doing out at this beautiful little B&B with this great food? Um, what are you doing out there? You play polo. Out there in that, that? Yeah. Yeah. They have a field. They have over 150 fields Whoa. within a 12-square-mile radius. Not. It's the polo capital of the world. Wow. So you can take polo lessons if you've never been on a horse, and you can find your range if you're one of the top polo players in the world. And that's where I'm going to come in and kind of assess everyone and put them with who they need to be because it's all within that 12-mile radius, and there's just these incredible estancias out there. And we stay at this particular estancia, La Amistad, where they specialize in connecting each person with the level that they need to well, be, whether it's one ride a day wow. and CSs and swimming and partying the rest <laughs> of the day, or if they want to have a morning ride, a trail ride, and then afternoon chuckers of polo with top professional oh, players. I well, you see, I've never played polo before, but I've ridden all my life. I used to exercise racehorses 
when I was about six years old up in the Hollywood Hills, this guy, Jude Smith, on the Sunset Ranch up there, and he um, used to take horses off the track that were rough broke, and he liked to have them exercise. So I was light enough at six, seven, I was on these huge horses <laughs> and running these horses that sometimes didn't stop through the Hollywood Hills up there. So I mean, I then I've owned horses over the years, but I love riding, but I've never played polo, and I'm used to big thoroughbreds, so yeah. I haven't... The only smaller horse I ever had was my Arab. She was, I don't know, maybe 16 hands. But um, the thoroughbred I had that I loved the most, which eight, 18 hands. So I was used to bigger horses. Yeah. So obviously people may not know. They call them polo ponies because obviously it's good to have a smaller horse so you can be closer to the ground so you can hit the ball. It used to be that, and they were called polo ponies because it originated in India where they actually were ponies. But now, with the evolution of humans becoming larger mm-hmm. and the sport becoming larger, they've bred the thoroughbreds cr- crossed in Argentina with the Criollo ponies ah. and created horses that are more mid-range to tall. So you'd be very happy up there oh, on, yeah. on the larger horses. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah. So so you do that out there in the country. And, I mean, I love the idea of doing trail rides because, truthfully, that's my favorite thing in the world to do is trail rides. Um, and I'm never happier than I am when I'm on a trail ride. That's my happiest time, you know. And it's been pretty sad time because I haven't gotten a trail ride well, in years. we'll have to fix I know. that when your back <laughs> feels better here. <laughs> so, so, so there you go and do that for how long? Three or four days at that particular, particular estancia. And then we're going to head out to Patagonia and spend a day or two in travel and hiking and then get on. Now, Patagonia is pretty high. Yeah, it's going to be a, a flight to Patagonia. We'll probably jump on a little, one of their little puddle jumpers and fly out to Patagonia and do a five-day excursion there the first couple days on foot, just hiking around the area, seeing mm-hmm. the the sights because the country is just stunning. And then um, travel cross-country on Patagonia from point A to point B over three days, then fly back out and go a little deeper into Argentina to one more Polo Estancia. Now, I, I can play around with all of these mm-hmm numbers and how many days we're here and there, depending on who I take with me. I'm only going to take five people, I think. Whoa, that's an exclusive trip. Yeah, I'm only going to take five because that's an easy number to travel with me and amazing. That's like others, yeah. That's a family. <laughs> That's a real Hana. Yeah, the more you add, the slower <laughs> you move, I've noticed. So <laughs> I, I've limited to five. Um, four might even be better. It's just getting, like, we'll have to do two cabs in that around the city. But that should be easy enough to travel with five, especially since I've gone a few times now and established the path and made the connections with the estancias that wow. I really, really like. So it's very intimate. Very intimate, yeah. How wonderful. And And the polo community around the world is small. So I'm really lucky that I'm now seeing people that I met years ago playing here and in Canada and all over the United States when I used to play a lot more. And I'm running into these people at the open, at different estancias. Two of the people that I know that run estancias used to come to Maui and, and coach. So it's a very small aspect of the horse community so wasn't that one of the major players down in south america the head of the polo field here for a while i forget his name is very good well they're all good looking right well was a very good looking guy from south america that was ahead it was about seven years ago eight years ago someone from down there hmm. I, I interviewed him it may have been 10 years ago we had but enrique diaz was might here have been, it might and, have been he was him. here about seven years ago yeah There's that could Emiliano have been it. 
who is... Um, I think it was Enrico Diaz. Yeah. And Enrique was here and in Oahu for quite a few years. And I actually saw him in December in Argentina. I believe he's down there now. Mm-hmm. He's based there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went back. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, it's, it's a, it's, this is a, a, an adventure. This is an adventure of a lifetime. I'm calling it horsey adventure healthy foodie travel. <laughs> I think we have to something like that. that. I got to figure think, out yeah, the wording maybe on that. or something. Um, yeah. One of the things that I have definitely noticed in polo in the past six or seven years is there's a huge influx of women in the sport, mm-hmm. and I can gear the travel kind of towards women's polo, mm. which I'm I think is going to make it a little easier to travel because there's just a different dynamic in traveling with men and women. And so I am going to be gearing it towards women's healthy adventure polo travel. Do you know Susan Mouton? I, mean, I you, do, yes. She, she would love to yes, go on this. She would. And she lives in Dallas, I believe. Yeah, she's over in, I believe she's in Texas now. She's got she's a place here, too. coming in the summer in August. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely reach, reach out to her. She would love this. That's a fantastic I'd love to go idea. with her, too. That'd be a lot. Yeah. She's an amazing woman. She sure is. She's and she started her nonprofit um, yeah. based on her son, who was killed in a car crash in Lahaina. Heading towards Lahaina, Will Smith Foundation. She's been doing wonderful things with the nonprofit for him. But she's totally into horses and especially and polo. polo. Yeah, yes. especially polo. She would love this trip. She would. I will reach out to her. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking. Of, she's a special woman. Well, this would be something I'd love to go to. And it sounds, I have to say, it sounds extremely expensive, but probably very worth it. You know, because the, of the dollar in Argentina... It's not as expensive as you would think. You're right around between seven and twelve hundred dollars for the flight. Mm-hmm. The most expensive meal I had in the country was a seven course dinner with wine and dessert, seven courses, and uh, it was twenty five dollars. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Whoa! Yeah. You couldn't even get the wine for twenty five dollars. I found the here. nicest Airbnbs in the city. Forty dollars a night. That's unbe- yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So approximately. Approximately. I know it's impossible because you haven't done the details at all yet. I've done the details a little bit. <laughs> I think we could do it for around five thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For three weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I that's that unheard one. of here on Maui oh, to yeah. do all of the things that we're doing. And it really depends. Like, if you want to play high goal polo, you're going to pay more. Yeah. You're you're working with higher end horses, a little bit more exclusive time frames to get into the games and that kind of thing. But if you're playing the lower level lower level polo and doing the travel portion of it easily within the five thousand dollar range. Wow, that's amazing. Now yeah. does that include your air? Not sure about the air yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on that. I was very lucky to uh have mine gifted to me. Yeah. So I was able to try. Well, and there's always, you know, that that sometimes it's good to price that separately because I mean, I'll have I'll have miles, and if I flew, I'd probably want to do United because I I don't know how United does down to Brazil, but and I know you're going to group, but at least to Texas, I'd probably want to go to United so that I well, could American get American has miles. been oh every everybody would like to use their miles for sure. Mm-hmm. American has just treated me really well in the I've heard good way things about they them. fly, so I've enjoyed yeah. that yeah a lot. Well, I mean, I'm not treated well on United, but I, I use them because I have the miles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I haven't no. been treated well ever since they merged with Continental. How many oh, years well, ago? My <laughs> intent is that everybody is treated well and 
every aspect of our journey and I'll, I'll go the extra mile to find what that's going to take and what mm-hmm. airline it means and what uh, hotel and what estancia. That's why I keep going down and, and sussing it out so I can just refine it. Well, it's an amazing thing and no one else is doing anything like this. Nobody that I know of. No, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to you last weekend. We talked about horses and everything. And I, I've always wanted to do, there's one in Ireland and one in Scotland, I think, that do where you stay in the uh, B&B and then you ride from like one B&B to the next. And those have become very popular. Um, you trek across, you know, certain fields and then you're guided and and I don't know if you keep horses or they switch them off at different places, but I think you can do it for a week or two weeks, or you can even stay in one place and do the the horse things. But it's become popular to go to Europe and do some of these horse destination things. Yes, it sure has, and it looks like something I would like to do as well. I'm going to concentrate on South America until I've inundated it in my life, and then I would like to also go to other places in the world, but... As far as bringing people with me to this one and setting it up as an excursion, I've I've got South America pretty well designed. And, and it's a good way to go because I have to say, oh, gosh, it's really sad. And I never believe a lot of the talk when there's bad talk about a place like Buenos Aires, but it got some bad rap last year. Oh well, over a couple of years. It got some it got some really negative rap. A lot of people were complaining about um, the safety, the security, the third world thing, and this and that, and then there were overthrows, and there was the economy thing and going on. It was just, it was going through the throes of, of being uh, put down, and I think it probably hurt their tourism because there was such negativity. Yeah, the first time I went two years ago, I had I did pay attention to that, and one incident that I saw when I arrived was, it was the day of an election, and they had one of the freeways closed off. And there was, mm. like, armed guys out there holding the protesters back. But our cab driver knew a way around, and he just went around. And I'm thinking, as everything in life, you can kind of search out what area you're looking for. We could have found the bad parts of town. It's yeah. a very large city. Mm-hmm. We could definitely go and find the poverty. Mm-hmm. But my choice was not to. Yeah. And I did some research on that, so I would know. But... It is close, too. I mean, within a half hour's ride, you could probably dive right. It, it, it's amazing. It is a third world country. And so you do have a real close-knit community, and then you've got very distinct differences. Mm-hmm. Not not a caste system so much, but there's very distinct areas and differences where you would and would not go. Mm-hmm. And that's also one of the things that I tried to research and did research to find out where to take my excursion. And that's why I would not ever right now, I mean, <laughs> I would not go to Buenos Aires ever on my own. Um, now, it's just I've because been on my own. I know, but I don't know enough and I haven't researched and I don't know <laughs> that. And I would feel much more secure uh, traveling with other people. I've, I've gone to Europe on my own gosh, tons of times. I travel on my own a lot, but I wouldn't go to Buenos Aires alone. Until I knew it and felt secure yeah. and safe there, you know. Um, and I've never been to South. You said you you haven't either, Kathy, right? I've never yeah. been to South America. But I would if I was with someone I could trust and, and do it with because I am very curious about it. I have to say I'm extremely curious about it. The first time I went, I went with a family from Spain who spoke fluently the language. And that was helpful to some extent. 
But I found on my second journey when I went by myself that I learned more and had more fun having to delve into the language a bit deeper and really use my uh, Spanish-speaking skills, which are minimal, Mm -hmm. but a little bit above minimal. Um, It's not hard to get around. Most of the people speak English. All of the restaurants I went to were in English. It was a little harder, like the public transport system, which I tried out because I wanted to see how that worked, Mm. both the buses and the trains and the subways. I tried all of that, and that was a little bit harder if you don't know the language. Mm -hmm. But taxis, super easy. And these are game changers, these telephones. Oh, yeah. Um, You just Google where you want to go, show the driver the address, and Mm. you don't have to say a word. And you can also use that as a a language translator for you. Which translator do you like? There's so many. I can't even tell you how many translators I have on my phone, and I, I... when I travel, I never find them successful in using because you don't – you've got to get one that does phrases, that translates phrases. Because yeah. one word takes a while to get, and unless you have the phrase and it can just translate it right there, it doesn't really make sense. Well, within the polo community, virtually everybody is bilingual ah. because it's a worldwide sport. So that just didn't come yeah. up within mm-hmm. polo. Within Buenos Aires, a bit more. Mm-hmm. And – I just honestly never had a problem. One time in one little drugstore, I was looking for eye drops because my eyes were red. And I couldn't figure out how to say that. And then as I was leaving the store, the two clerks, they were in their 20s and were really excited to try and help, figured it out. And then walked me down the street (laughs) to the drugstore where they had it. That's nice. Yeah, I I have had that happen in Europe where I had a mole on my uh, foot. I had a, a, a huge, you know... I wanted to get a mole thing because I had a huge blister on my foot. And trying to, I basically took off my sock and shoe and showed them. (laughs) It's a lot easier than trying, if you can use your hands in pantomime, it's easier to get that across. And then they go, oh, and they get excited and they understand you. But if you can do pantomime in a little bit of, you know, usually they'll, you can get stuff figured out. And I'm glad you brought up, we've got about seven or eight minutes I'm, I No, we got 10 minutes. I'm glad you brought up traveling alone and traveling um, with others. And there's an interesting point here. There's, okay, three types of traveling. Let's talk about talking in a large tour group, uh, traveling in a smaller group or a, as a couple, small family, which is yours almost like, and then traveling on your own. All very, very different forms of travel. And I have to agree, and I think you've set these up many times too, Kathy, the ones that get you most immersed are the small groups and on your own. And when you're with a tour, um, you get the voyeur's view and you can really try to break free, but it's sometimes really hard. At least there's sometimes free time they give you, right, mm-hmm. where you can wander out. Not very on your much own. usually. But on not those a big lot. Ones, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And in and when you're doing the cruises, um, you don't have to take the shore excursions and you can wander out on your own or take a cab or, you know, do that. And uh, just make sure you get back on time, right? But but um, there's definitely a different experience with each of those. And, and, you know, it's okay. You know, we all like our level of security and, and doing what we do. And any travel is better than no travel, you know. Um, I, I think travel is the best thing for anyone to do in the world. I think it's the most memorable thing. I think it opens up the most minds. It gets you friends. It, it helps extend peace throughout the world and understanding we understand that we're all one and we're all people and we get past any prejudices we have about other 
races or people, if we have them, you get past them pretty quickly when you travel. Um, and, and it's the best thing I think you can think of for your mind and for your whole w- state of well-being, right? It, I, I believe that totally. It opens up your mind and... Uh, People are the same everywhere. Yeah. You know, we all just want to live our lives, and uh, it's the governments that aren't so good. That (laughs) is absolutely the truth. It's the governments that kind of put the things up there. They mess it up sometimes. Yeah. No, so, and and then if you add the element of animals, especially my favorite animal, the horse, (laughs) um, which, again, you never have a problem communicating with your horse. (laughs) Yeah, they probably know how to stop. You know, in, in Spanish, you can say "whoa." I don't know how you say "whoa" in Spanish. Whoa, whoa is whoa. <laughs> whoa is whoa. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> yeah, you get it. Uh, but horses work best with body language um, and your body sense than I think language anyway. So, and you can make a friend with a horse, and it's like, oh my god, I never want to leave. I made friends with this horse now. <laughs> I made some great. Friends Did you make down some there? great yeah. friends down there? Both horse and human. I found thus far the Argentinian people to be as a culture the nicest people that I've ever met and really? the kindest yes wow. and again I was very surprised by that because it wasn't what I had in my head when I went down there I had some different stories running and I experienced nothing but absolute utter kindness and helpfulness and sweetness and more down to earth than I ever expected to see yeah, it was really How hard. many pairs of jeans did you take? <laughs> you know, I've overpacked both times. I always overpack. The second time I took half of what I took the first time. Oh, good. And next time I'm going to take one half of that. Oh. Um, three pair of jeans. Okay. Yeah. Was, that's, was, that's workable. Yeah, right. three pair of jeans. Cause was one dressy jeans and one? I brought a dressy jean jeans, and a couple yeah. jeans to ride in and yeah. a couple dresses because in December it was very warm. And to it? go to the Polo Open, you have your option. You can dress to the nines like uh-huh. the Kentucky Derby Day, or you can be in jeans and shorts and a tank top. That's what I love about Argentina is there's appeared to be no judgment about anything and what oh. people were wearing, what they were doing. It huh. was just very casual, and I enjoyed it so much. I wouldn't have guessed that. That's interesting. Now, I think you could find a part of the city – it's more like Manhattan yeah. or Fifth Avenue, and you could find that, the Cartier, and and that level. I wasn't searching it out, but I'm aware that it exists. It just, I, I didn't have as much time as I would need to go to every little part of Buenos Aires. And I went in depth both times into several different areas. And there's one part of the culture that I will also bring to light on our journey is the tango Mm. and the tango dancing down there is huge did you learn to tango i did not solely because i'm not a dancer and it's not not my interest but i the first trip i traveled with tango dancers and they went into immersion with it and it's the schedule's the polar opposite of the polo people (laughs) and that they begin their tango evenings about 10 11 o'clock at night and go until five in the morning oh my gosh you know when i used to like rock and roll that was a lifestyle but it's (laughs) not um not the polo lifestyle so our our schedules were not really congruent to spending much time together Mm -hmm. they worked well as far as sharing rooms in that but we didn't really see each other very often i can understand that with that level of uh difference in 
our activities. Yeah. So I, I did learn that. So a, a night or two of tango and, and seeing it would be more than enough on a three-week journey. Probably one night would yeah. be enough. But they I'm really not They literally be... tango all night long. They do. They do. And these guys, they would tango. They would go and take a lesson at 2 o'clock until 5 o'clock and then have a little break. And then you two to five in the in middle the, of the night? No, in the afternoon. Oh, in the afternoon. Okay. And then have a little break and then go back from 10 until 5 in the morning. And this is their their whole timing. Wow. The tango. And it's it's a big lifestyle. And again, the um, me, dinner is 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock in the morning in Argentina. Wow. That's very normal. So I fall into that very more European style of eating. So for me, that just suits my timing. The dinner portion still being done by midnight is good. <laughs> I'm up at three or four in the morning. I, I don't go to sleep at, at. I don't go to sleep. I go to sleep early. I couldn't do the start dinner at ten o'clock. I'll pass on that one. Well, I don't the, know. Uh, I'm at the Estancia, she <laughs> will have the dinner a lot earlier at the B and B. But then they stay up all night talking about do they? the various things. They try a lot of the people at her B and B travel in from all over the world. I've wow. met people from Japan, China, Guam. Interesting. A lot of English. Um, one gentleman from Iran was there for three months, really learning to play polo and, <laughs> and live that lifestyle. Yeah, it's it, the, the world travelers that you meet, it's, it's really What's the name wonderful. of the Estancia again? La Mistad. L-A-A-M-I-S-T-A-A-D. Namastad. What does yeah. that mean? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, la is the. Yeah. Mistad, I'll have to look up. See, yeah. this is where your translator comes in handy. <laughs> the same <laughs> phone, the same piece here, so you can get to it first. Mistad, I was thinking, does that mean my steed? I mean, I don't know. I kind of wondered if that could be my horse or my steed, but maybe, you know, maybe it's my steed. Mistad. Mistad. Could be. Could be my steed. I don't know. Could be. But, but you know, it's just fascinating talking with you. And I just love the idea of this. This is a, you know, extreme um, adventure that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And um, I guess people should contact you. I, do you have, what was it best by website? Or I know you have a wonderful Instagram. People should follow you on Instagram because you post great pictures. Probably my Instagram or Facebook is the best way to get a hold of me. I haven't quite mastered the web yet and putting up a web page. Spell I'll get your that. name for everyone. Jillian, J-I-L-L-I-A-N, Vickers, V-I-C-K-E-R-S. And that's both, that's my handle on Instagram as well as Facebook. You know, I was following you so lo- long on Instagram. I thought you'd moved down. I mean, there was—I mean, no one. I thought no one stays that long down there. And I kept seeing all these great pictures of you on the polo, and I'm going, "She must have moved down to South America." You know, I threw all those pictures up on my stories today, right before I came down here, and told people that about this interview. So you can see the pictures for the next 24 hours on, on story. On the Instagram story stories, Instagram yeah. Stories. I never got the story part done on the Instagram oh, story. you just press understand. story and put a picture up or a video. And it's, it works and it does. stays for a day or what is it? Stays 24 long? hours, I think. Oh, is that what it is? I'm okay. just learning it, but it's one of the, the easier parts, yeah. Doesn't it usually want video, though? I think video just... is the way to go with it. Yeah. 
Um, I did a series of photos just because I didn't have a video and yeah. didn't really. I, I'm not quite a master of the technology, but I plan to be. How many followers um, do you have on Instagram? Oh, seven hundred and something, I think. But oh, I'd like good. more, like seven thousand, seven yeah. million. <laughs> yeah, I want to play with that a little. I think I it's very interesting. Yeah. Awesome! I have seven hundred. And, and, and well, I found out what La Amistad means. What oh, does it friendship. mean? Friendship. Oh, I like that. Perfect. We learned a new word. Perfect. Well, that's all the time we have, but thank you so much. And you can reach out to Kathy Takushi at 244-1414. We'll be back next Wednesday, and we're going to have a special show on tourism in Hawaii. A big aloha.